Hey, welcome to season two of the Change Today podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Akila Kade, founder of Change Today, a diversity consulting firm making sure women, people of color, and underserved communities feel safe and can be their best selves in the workplace. Kade is my last name, and in French, it means soldier. So we talk about how people are soldiers of change, personally or professionally. This season, we have great guests sharing their story with you, and I'm so happy that you've decided to come back and share another season with me. Remember to like and subscribe so that you know when all of the new episodes are coming up, and I really appreciate your support. So let's take it away and enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Change Today podcast. Per usual, we have yet another really incredible guest, and I'm excited to introduce her to you. Um, Her name is Laura Hugel. Hugel. Perfect. You say it better with your accent. Um, She's awesome, and she's going to tell you how she's awesome. Take it away. Thank you so much, Akila. I just want to first of all say thank you so much for having me because it is one, an honor to be asked on any podcast, but on the Change Kid A podcast, I'm, you know, someone that I admire so much like you. It's, yeah, it, I woke up feeling I must have done something good in my life because I'm on the Change Kid A podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just, but first of all, big thank you. But yeah, as, as Akila said, my name is Laura Hugill. You say uh, we've We've been debating how to pronounce my last name, and I'm not even sure. I it's interesting when Akila, when you ask me about my bio, it's interesting because I don't, I don't think I've really got a snappy bio yet. But I will tell you what I know about myself. So I'm originally English. Hopefully, it's clear from the accent. But I've lived in the US from I've lived in the US uh, from 2016, so for just over four years, and. I guess I do identify a little bit with my career, having worked at Google for six years. I was thinking it's, you know, it's a big part of my identity and who I am. Yeah. And yeah, I I want to also say legalese that I'm all the, everything that I say is not a reflection of Google and all my opinions are my own. Yes. But I yeah. do, <laughs> but I do work at Google and I've worked there for six years and I currently work in the diversity, equity and inclusion space. I identify as a white woman and I am also very, very passionate about mindfulness and self-development. And I am also a mindfulness facilitator and teacher at Google in my spare time (laughs) in quotation marks because it never really feels spare, but it's a big passion of mine. So yeah, I would say that's probably a good enough place to start. Okay, but I'm going to add two more things in there. Um... You have a really great podcast, Mindfully Laura, which you left out, which I was also honored to be a guest on. So everything you said about me, about being here, I just want to echo for being on your podcast. Um, Listen to the episode, you or just listen to all of them, but listen to our episode there too, because we had a really great conversation that hopefully at some point we'll continue on another um, round. (laughs) for your podcast and then um I feel like you left out the coaching part that's true true. (laughs) I am very more recently I'm becoming certified as an executive coach with coactive leadership and I am just so I love coaching so much and it has become a very important part of my life quite quickly and I really try to I'd say bring in the knowledge that I have from working in the corporate world and also mindfulness, which is such an important part of my life. And also I would say the emotional intelligence part, like more of the somatic part, which has been so important for me and my own healing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, so that I'm now also a coach. You are. So um, I would love to get more into coaching, but before we do that, how are you a change today? How are you a soldier of change in your life? I love this question so much. <laughs> and I, I was kind of going over it in the shower and being like, what am I going to say? Because you've had just so many amazing guests and you really are, you know, a, a, a soldier of change, Akila. And I guess I do have a bit of resistance to that myself right now but we'll, we'll go into it but um I'd say 
my the way that I'm a soldier for change is really through truth, mm. through really tapping into my own truth, even though it's been scary and there's been a lot of darkness, I would say, that has come out from that. And then also sharing my truth. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that has been the thread through the diversity, equity, and inclusion work, through the coaching, through the mindfulness, uh, through the, I'd say, advocacy that I try to do with mental health and talking about my own mental health, especially on my Instagram. So yeah, I think that was the word that kind of came to me was by just being unafraid of finding the truth and then sharing the truth. Yeah, so that's like a change today to a T. So I don't know where you were (laughs) wondering what that would be because um, living your truth is incredibly hard to do. And I feel that you've done it in a beautiful way, like personally and professionally. And not a a lot of people are not um, able to arrive to that. It's either maybe one or the other, right? And so that's like incredibly uh, powerful to to do that. I mean, just being able to have mindfulness discussions at a really, 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 really big, you know, company is an accomplishment in itself, right? Um, and your, yeah, your advocacy around it. And I also just want to say like, the times that I've been able to support you with some diversity things or um, uh, just ideation and all that fun stuff has been great. So I appreciate the advocacy you're doing for um, women and people of color and, and marginalized communities in your workspace. So that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, you're welcome. And then, you know, we'll just keep it going. Last, um, <laughs> I love when people are able to talk about like mental health and what they've gone through, what they're going through, how they maintain this idea of, you know, happiness or being positive um, and making it work. So I'm I'm curious, how's that going for you in shelter in place? <laughs> That's just a great question. Honestly, I am probably in the best mental health place that I've ever been in my life, which is, yeah. which, it, you know, that it's been weird because I'm definitely a very empathetic person. So I think knowing that a lot of people are really struggling has been really hard. And then also finding space to honor where I'm at personally and being okay with that, you know, being okay with the fact that I'm feeling great and that a lot of some, a lot of the challenges that I've been facing over, you know, I'd say my whole life have started easing recently. And it's just been a weird, um, oh, sorry, my, ugh, my screensaver just kicked in. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a weird just timing of I did a lot of work and started going very deep with a a psychologist, sorry, no, a psychiatrist and a therapist about six months ago. And so I've started seeing real impact maybe two or three months ago. And then it just so happens that the shelter in place kicked in. So I'm also very much an introvert. So I think having more space to myself has actually unlocked a lot of creativity for me. So Mm -hmm. I have been you know, investing a lot more in coaching in developing an online coaching program that I've been working on, which is kind of a culmination of all of the lessons that have been really important in my life for transformation. So yeah, I've just, I feel like I've had the time to do the things that I really love. And it's just had a really remarkable impact on my mental health. That's so great. Um, I'm figuring it out. <laughs> on, on my side, I for sure um, understand. Like, I also, I also like having alone time as I'm sitting in my closet. I'm like, this feels great. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoy alone time. I have been struggling with the creativity part. So, like, I will have the idea, and I think it's really awesome and great. And then my body's like, you're tired take a nap, you know? And so I'm still fine-tuning, listening to my body, mind, spirit, and soul in um, this literal uh, confinement bubble that I'm in. 
And I, I feel like if I just had only one health thing, which would be mental health happening, then I'd probably be able to navigate it easier. But managing chronic illness and pain and visible illness on top of it is um, a yo-yo. It's a yo-yo, right? So, um, but I will say like, this is day 61 for me. I feel better in the path of acceptance of being here for a while. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. And and totally, I mean, we're all dealing with very different things. Even two people who'd say, I have anxiety, that could mean totally different things. And right. yeah, like I definitely see and hear you on like the different challenges you're facing and how that's impacting what you're able to do. And I also want to be fully transparent. You know, I started taking medication for the first time in my whole life, despite many decades of knowing I needed help uh-huh. for for my mental health. And so I think I started that at the end of last year, or maybe even the beginning, it was actually in January. And so from being someone who's been very meditation, you know, right. healing, all natural, I don't take any pills, like that was my life to then having to say towards the end of last year, I need, I need help. And turning to medication, you know, in a very controlled and um, supportive way. Yeah, I think that's been, I think that's been huge for me. So, you know, I definitely don't want to have some illusion that I'm just like, you know, I don't know, I'm some magical being that's just completely... No, but everything around myself, like medication was important for me, I think. Yeah, no, it's part of the, it's definitely part of the journey. I've, um, there was a time where my therapist is like, do you want to start to take medication for your major depressive disorder? And I was like, no. (laughs) You know, I wasn't ready to, to do that. And so I worked on some other things that were challenges and like was able to kind of work through stuff. But now um, being in shelter in place, the conversation has come up again. And so we're going to have it at another time because this time we had to talk about daddy issues. But um, (laughs) we'll talk about that conversation and what it looks like because since I'll be limited for a really long time, it may be the thing that I need to make it through being inside for an indefinite period of time. And, um, and I, yeah, so it's like a conversation we'll have again. I don't know what the impact like mentally and physically will be on me for not being able to go to the grocery store. So I miss the grocery store. No matter how many times I, I'm very thankful my friends and I'm like plain unsweetened almond milk that's refrigerated. I've received the unrefrigerated almond milk. I've received unsweetened, but with vanilla. I've received almond coconut milk that's unsweetened. I've received almond milk that is just disgusting. Um, And it's just like, you know, if I went shopping, I would get the kind that I like. And there's like, you know, two to three options that work for me just the brands, but I can't do that. So, you know, having to rely on people to get stuff for me is so hard. And I could sit here and have all the pictures, but I know part of it is like, there's stuff that's not in stock. So the way they think about what a substitute would be for the thing is completely different than how I would think. And then I have to be appreciative because they went. So I can't be like, oh, you gave me the wrong milk. You know, I can't, I can't do that. And that part is incredibly frustrating. And who knew almond milk would be so frustrating? (laughs) I mean, it makes total sense to me knowing you because one of the values I really see in you is your autonomy and your like self-awareness, I would say, and like self-agency, I think is the, and so it makes total sense to me to hear you say that because that is what's being taken away from you. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It has for sure. Yeah. been taken away and, and, and I, I wasn't planning on that, you know? Um, I wasn't cause I'm like, well, I can just, 
get my groceries delivered. I've never had my groceries delivered until shelter in place. And I ordered 24 items from, excuse me, Safeway because I wanted like, I don't know, you know, French's mustard or something that, you know, I couldn't get from Whole Foods or like Trader Joe's. And, um, out of those 24 items, I only received 10 of them and they were like at my door. And I remember kind of like looking around the corner and like, well, are they coming back? Cause I, I didn't see my almond milk. I didn't see these things right that I wanted to get. And I was so angry because I'm like, here I am trying to have independence and I'm unable to have independence. And that order took like somewhere between seven or 10 days to get to me. So it's this whole thing that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So coaching moment for you, if you're open to it. Oh my God. Yes. Let's do it. Well, I'm just so I'm, I, this really resonates with me and I'm just wondering how can you honor this part of you that is just really desiring autonomy? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And that's what I'm figuring out. Um, and I mean, well, part of it is like, I know that if I'm able to find a delivery service that can deliver, then I know I can get the things that I want to get. So that part, I think, will help. The problem is, is with the influx of people who are asking for delivery, um, that has become a challenge. So then I had to learn how to ask for help, which is not my thing, um, for people to get groceries. Cause in the beginning they're like, I'm going to the grocery store. You need anything? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Cause I had everything that I needed. And, um, I just assumed I'll just get groceries myself. But then when I started looking at like Amazon prime, not that I want to use it or like whole foods delivery and realizing that there were no delivery dates for a month and that I would have to get up at like 2 a.m. to like place an order and refresh it for two hours to get, I was like, that's not a life I want to live. You know, it's not. So, um, so I've had to learn how to ask for help, but ultimately I know that'll be a point of frustration for me because I can't just go out and get the thing that I want. What would it feel like if you could really give yourself permission to, ask for help and also bring that autonomy into that. So this is fun. Two coaches coaching. Um, (laughs) There was a moment where I was coaching someone else and they were like feeling uncomfortable asking for help for about about a particular thing. So I talked about groceries. I was like, listen, I fucking hate having to ask people to get me groceries because my mind tells me you cannot take care of yourself. You are, you know, um, somehow like not, you know, independent or in a position where you can be this autonomous person that you enjoy being. You, it's hard for you to be a Virgo, all these things. Right. Um, but I told this person, I was like, ultimately, or, you know, again, like basically the biggest one is like, I'm not able to take care of myself. So I told him, I'm like, you know, that by me asking people for help, I am taking care of myself, right? Because this is the situation I'm in because I can't go to the grocery store. I can't go to Target and do stuff like that. Um, and so I'm like, it's a very hard thing to accept particularly when you have been doing it on your own for so long. Right. And so I'm in that place of like determining that shift for myself, but also being patient with it. So um, now that I know, cause I had a text conversation or an email actually with my cardiologist that I will be inside for a really long time. I'm like, okay, all right this will be the ultimate test of me taking care of myself with the help of other people. Wow. It's beautiful, really. I mean, I know that this is incredibly hard, probably. I know you've been through so many challenges, but this is going to be a a different kind of hard. Oh, yeah. But it's so interesting that it's going to be that lesson that you kind of know is, is ripe for learning. 
you know, like learning to accept help and really even enjoy being helped. That's kind of exciting. Um, right. The enjoy part I'm working on. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, this is really great because it's, a, it's, it's, a, you know, acceptance of, of, of this thing that it has been a challenge for me to do. But, um, this acceptance is, is crucial to my overall health and well being for having an indefinite shelter in place. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe at some point, day 120, I may go to the senior immunosuppressed hour and go to the grocery store. I may have built up the courage to do that. But step one, I have to like take a walk and I haven't been able to take a walk, you know? Um, yeah, so it's it's um, it's for sure a process. And I am appreciative of you um being a coach in this moment um because there is a time in my life where I was like feedback was a uncomfortable thing for me because it came from a negative place because I was in so many toxic work environments so it wasn't until like I started building this empire and and coaching other people where um I had to practice what I preach right so if I'm coaching someone all the time and giving feedback and I'm having feelings around you know feedback um that makes me a hypocrite. And I am not that. It makes you a human, I think, first of all. Yeah, no, but I can't, you know, there were, again, like, yeah, but I was, so there's, when I was uh, coaching, when I first started getting all this heart stuff, I was just, you know, coaching and telling people, you know, be your true authentic self and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like doing it in pain. Some people knew I had like, this thing going on and some people didn't and then one day I'm like you can't tell people to be their true authentic self and no one knows that you're really going through this like on the larger scale as far as like extended friends and um social media right um but there was a lot of fear around if I told people that I'm going through this heart thing um or if I told people when I got to the point that I have this indefinite heart thing that I would be viewed differently and and people wouldn't want to work with me, right? But in that moment of coaching other people and also coaching myself, I'm like, you have to work through the fear, right? Because I always feel people are probably tired of me saying this. There's happiness on the other side because if you have fear around something and you do it, you could realize, oh my God, I this is really great. I enjoy it. This is me. Or never again do I want to do this, you know, thing. Like it didn't work out for me. And both of those things are once. So when I did share it publicly and I got a lot of positive feedback and then it added to my overall business, I was like, wait, what? You know, um, and that was a, like a, a internal coaching moment, which people should know that coaches have to coach themselves too. Um, and it, it's like, it's, it's like the cardiologist who smokes, right? And you're the, you know, and he's like, oh, or she's like, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm doing it. And you have to work on changing your behavior. Right. Um, so do you find yourself to, two part question, do you find yourself in positions where you are constantly coaching yourself or coaching yourself in general? And then two, can you turn off coaching in your, in your work or professional life? Such great questions. Definitely. I feel like I'm coaching myself constantly and I loved how you talked about the fear because I really see that too mm-hmm. I see fear and also triggers which I which I define as a little different to fear they're I think based in the same place but mm-hmm. you know a trigger for me could be that anger of my boyfriend getting the wrong almond milk for me it's oat milk I'm very into oat milk right now but <laughs> another story so you know if I get very triggered by something it's like a strong re- emotional reaction to something either someone's done something or something external or an internal thought. I try to take those moments and maybe not immediately, but within a few hours, be able to say, okay, why did that, why did that affect me so much? And I love the example that you gave because it's, you're kind of following that train of thought, you know, Mm -hmm. you were feeling some resistance to speaking your truth. And then you followed that all the way to, because I think people are going to treat me differently. And you could mm-hmm. probably even that, you know, further down to some core, you know, belief. 
And I've tried to do that. And I think a lot of my core beliefs come down to, you know, fear of being different, fear of being rejected, fear of being alone. Mm -hmm. And so often when I get triggered, I am asking myself, okay, which of my core beliefs are being triggered here? And how is that manifesting itself? And what can I do to give myself whatever it is I need, whether it's a feeling of safety or a feeling of acceptance? How can I adjust the situation somehow to really allow myself that feeling or whatever it is that I need to essentially be my best self? Because Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good to be feeling triggered all the time. And I definitely think that now, day to day, I'm just a more easygoing. I don't think people would describe me as an easygoing person because I'm very energetic, but like more easygoing in that I'm less emotionally triggered and less emotionally charged. I'm sort of just letting things come and go and flow. And so I see, I do coach myself a lot. And I've also, my boyfriend has listened to me on so many coaching calls that he has picked it up like amazingly I've been so impressed and so we'll be going walking and I'll be you know we'll be walking the dog and I'll be chatting about you know sometimes clients trigger you right I'll be chatting about like oh and then you know this has triggered me or this friend or whatever and he'll ask me the questions and sometimes he'll ask me the questions that I haven't asked myself which is the benefit of someone else there and the huge benefit of a coach and then can I turn it off um it's really hard. I think it's always kind of, <laughs> yeah. I think it's always there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, yeah, what I can't, I can't turn it off. It took a lot of practice to do it. Um, the, the only breakthrough of that boundary um, is when I may care about the person and care for me can happen after I do a talk and someone talks to me for like two minutes um, or it can happen in like some type of meeting or something. And I, I may just share like a little tidbit, but I feel like, um, they need to hear the, the thing. Right. So that is the hardest part for me because I know that I have this gift and certain people need to hear the thing to get to where they have to go. And that's like my life purpose. So, yeah, you know, there's that. But otherwise, it's really, if I don't like you or if you rub me the wrong way, you're not getting shit. I don't even care if it's part of your life journey. It is not happening. You do not deserve it at all. So, um, but the funny thing is like what I realized in my uh, work relationships and in my personal relationships, people would always come to me for advice. Always. How should I navigate this thing at work? What should I do with my partner and blah, 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 or whatever? And I would always come up with solutions. So it wasn't until I went, you know, full-time into my business now where I actually started to tap into um, executive coaching and working with people. So um, it's it's not, it's new in the sense that I'm actually getting paid for it. <laughs> but I, it's something that I've been doing most of my my life, right? Um, I also really love how your boyfriend is now a certified coach because of you. <laughs> well, I've, I've certified him, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know that's an important, it's an important step, um, to have that. I, I also, um, I have to turn off the coaching for dating too, because that isn't helpful now if it's like, He's working on a business plan of something for whatever he's doing. Then I'm like, ooh, (laughs) this is an appropriate space for me to be in. Um, But otherwise, as far as like, how are you responding this way? And why are you, I I have to hold it in and turn it off. Yeah, it's such a good point. Because I, I, what I, I guess what I'm, what I'm feeling is that I can't turn off the questions that I want to ask popping in my head, but I definitely use the mindfulness to not ask them because I think, yeah, yeah. Because I think honestly, even with friendships, the coaching relationship is one, I think where you, you do have to have a uh, element of permission. And I think you can absolutely weave it in very skillfully with one or two questions, but sometimes 
people want different things from the conversation. You know, sometimes I've even had coaching people and you have to ask them, what is it that you actually want? Because you get a strong feeling that they actually just want to vent. And if you go into coaching, really coaching, then they might not actually get what they want, which sometimes is it's not necessarily giving them what they want. It's what they need, but it's, you have to have that permission, I would say. So there's um, an interesting thing going back to what you said with triggers, right? Because understanding people's triggers with who you coach is also equally as important as your triggers too, right? That come up. So for me, I'm triggered all the time because I talk about you know, diversity in the workplace. So, which is why I'm also in weekly therapy um, to to work with that. But acknowledging your triggers around the situation um, is also a great, like, approach to coaching because you're like, I am going to be triggered by this thing, but I'm going to put that in a pocket right now, help this person through their thing. And then I need to figure out what my outlet is. I'm going to give myself time to process what that trigger is. I'm going to talk to my partner. I'm going to talk to my therapist um, and, you know, get it out. Um, So when it comes to the coachee, uh, acknowledging their triggers are important too. So it's like, okay, (laughs) I can't tell you many times I'm like, okay, it sounds like um, this may be a trigger for you. No, it's not. Okay, cool. We're going to be defensive. Um, so then we'll go through the scenario again. And at what point did you get angry? What point did you go inward? At what point did you not feel safe or valued anymore? Oh, you didn't? Okay, so guess what? Now that's a trigger. So we have to, together, make sure that when these types of moments come up, you have a plan to de-escalate yourself from that, whether you're texting me, talking to your therapist, walking away from the meeting or the person, right? Um, And going through that. So it's interesting because we always have to go through our triggers because they're going to come up. We're putting ourselves in the space to talk to people who have gone through stuff that we've already worked through. So we're being triggered all the time. And then we have to help people with their triggers, which is, yeah, it's like this magical soup, right? That we're in. It is. And it's taking us a level deeper as well. You know, like you think you've right. healed one thing and then, you know, you'll right. get re-triggered in a slightly different way. And and it's, I, for me, I do think it is taking the healing just deeper and deeper and deeper, which is probably one of the things I love about it. Right. So, so then how do you protect your energy, particularly because you are a mindfulness expert too? And then if you don't mind just providing a definition of what mindfulness is for the listeners. Great question. And and thank you for asking about the definition of mindfulness. So for me, mindfulness is the ability to be experiencing what is in the present moment and being able to do that both with curiosity and kindness. And it's really those kind of three parts is being in the present moment and having that awareness that you're actually in the present moment Mm -hmm. and then being curious about what's there and also being kind because without the kindness you can be very focused on something but if you're very focused on beating yourself up that to me is not mindfulness and Mm -hmm. the kindness piece has been an incredibly huge part of my personal journey with Mm -hmm. a lot of my mental health challenges has been around body dysmorphic disorder and being hypercritical about how I look Mm -hmm. and so the mindfulness came you know, or I'd say the ability to notice when I was distracted came first. And then the curiosity and kindness is something that I've had to work on a lot and mm-hmm. continue to work on. So those are the the two elements for me. And in terms of, yeah, did you have a question about that? Akila? No, I, I just love how you put that together. Like, you know, being present in the moment with curiosity and, and, and kindness, that is, that is a gem that people should be able to process. And I think in general, but I feel like this is the time as uh, we are in a pandemic for people to really start to practice that, you know, and how they're responding to people. This is my new normal, regular PSA of muting people on uh, social media or unfollowing people on social media, because even with that curiosity and kindness, there's a lot of ugliness that's happening right now. And I don't think that serves anyone in general, but it definitely doesn't serve people who are doing all they can to maintain 
a, a universal level of uh, stress that we're all um, going through. So I love that. Yeah, I actually love that example. And that actually ties nicely into what I'm thinking about managing my energy. So mm-hmm. for me, uh, I am very empathetic and I can really pick up on the energy of others. And it mm-hmm. has been a journey and it still is a journey, something that I actually have to think about very regularly because with this pandemic and with lots of people struggling and with, you know, really shifting my work into trying to help people who are maybe in a difficult situation, I can find almost it's like a wave of emotion that you pick up from someone else. And I've had to bring in some of the mindfulness techniques to remind myself Mm-hmm. What I'm feeling right now is not my feeling. It is a feeling mm-hmm. or like a emotional contagion, which mm-hmm. is not the ideal because if I'm taking on your feelings, then I'm not actually able to show up for you empathetically because I'm getting wrapped up in feeling what you're feeling. But it is good for me to use that intuitive, mm-hmm. empathetic energy that you have to Akila, where I can tap in and say, oh, I'm feeling... I'm feeling like a burning in my chest. What could that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Or I just feel this heavy weight in my stomach. What does that bring up? Mm-hmm. Because you're able to take the client into their kind of somatic experience. Right. So for me, sometimes it's like as simple as putting my hands on my legs and taking a deep breath as I'm listening to someone speak or just if there's a moment of silence and just reminding myself, this is me, this is my body, I am here, I am safe. Just kind of reminding myself, honestly, that this energy isn't mine. And then the other key thing is honestly the consumption of the news and the consumption of media. Yeah. So this one is hard because with the work that I do at work, I do need to know what's happening because if there is something like what happened, you know, last week we had, you know, two very big cases of one police brutality and then the Armand Arbery case, like, very huge moments for the black community. And that is part of my role is I, I, part of my responsibility I feel is to be able to support different communities at Mm -hmm. Google. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know about that as soon as I should or could have done because I was having to do a bit of a media, you know, protecting myself from the media. It's like Instagram, that means no news. I just try to follow my instincts of when I'm feeling overwhelmed. And so it is, that one is challenging for me because I do feel this tug of war almost of like, I should be knowing everything that's happening so that I am able to support people. But then knowing if I'm not able to support myself and show up, then I'm really no use to anyone. So still an evolution but I think by and large I know that when the important things happen my community and my network is so good that I do hear about it and just trusting that it actually serves me better not to be in that heightened anxiety state where I'm like constantly checking the news because that one that really does impact my uh, compulsive tendencies and some of the OCD and things like that so um, and I mean OCD in the true sense of the word not in how some people use it (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. diagnosis. So I like to make that distinction. You know, it's an important distinction to make because somehow it's become like a pop culture term, um, which I don't know. I like, well, I feel like that's a whole other conversation. Um, You said so many things that were incredibly important because, um, and I think a lot of it is the nature of the work that we're in, right? Because since we work in diversity, we do want to know what's happening um, with, you know, Ahmad's case and these recent deaths that have happened, you know, at the hands of the police. Like you want to know that. But then again, uh, you have to understand the triggers around it too. So, you know, the triggers for the people you're coaching, triggers for you. Um, so there's layers to it. And there's also a lot that we're seeing with health disparities for communities of color too, which is also important for the work that we have. And, you know, how can we advocate? What can we do? Um, but then, you know, we have to account for our 
like mental health, right? So it's just this, it really is, it's a healthy juggling act, but this healthy juggling act is, is what, you know, we need to do to, to stay sane. Um, I believe when we first started, or we did, I did, when we first went into shelter in place, every day I was on John Hopkins looking at the map. I wanted to know how many cases we had, how many deaths, how many people recovered. And now I can't tell you the last time I did it just because I'm like, this isn't helpful for me. Like, I feel like once America got to a million cases, I was like, yeah, this proves my point. Um, and then I'm like, <laughs> walk, just kind of like walk away um, from that. And then because there's, the other side to it is that we do have to also know like what is happening locally, right? What is happening statewide? What is happening on the national and the worldwide level? So there's so many levels to it. And traditionally that wouldn't be the case, right? If, if we were in a place that snowed, we'd like, okay, we got the email about snow day, the county's closed for snow day or a couple of days and that's it. We weren't looking at what the snow day looked like, you know, in another state, like we, and then also in another country. And so that the, the news that we're receiving is super dense and super compressed. Um, and then it's like, Hey, read the news on top of the fact that you are somehow now homeschooling for those who have kids. You realize that maybe you don't like your partner. You realize you do like your partner. You realize that being alone, you don't really want to be alone. Um, or wow. I've never had a time in my life where I can take really long dog walks, right? Like you have all these other feelings um, in addition to, is it going to be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or chips with microwave cheese? Or am I going to sit here and actually put together a whole like pasta dish? <laughs> I love that. I love how you, how you said that. I think it was, it was just perfect. I love how you brought up about John Hopkins because that was me. And when you said every day, I was like, every half hour. I was... Oh, well, I'm lying. I did it multiple times a day. I, but I, every day I was on it. I mean, even like the first meeting I would have in the day, I would write down the total number of cases. <laughs> and then the first meeting of the next day, I would compare the numbers just so I could see the jump myself. And, and I, I love that you're saying this because I'm sure plenty of people listening will... will relate and maybe some people won't but I think that it's it's just useful to be honest because that for me after a couple of weeks of that I also noticed some of my like true compulsive tendencies were getting worse and I was able to kind of tie it back to yes it's huge pressure and yes it's being indoors and but it was also this almost the the hunger of fear like it it's sort of like it was like I was getting a hit every time I yeah. made myself more fearful. It becomes almost a little addictive. And, you know, I, I love the analogy of the snow day because I was, it's a very good one because yes, like this isn't just having a snow day. Like you said, we need to know how the snow day is impacting everyone and how different communities are being impacted by the snow day and how, you know, shovels are not being handed out equitably oh, yeah, and, yeah. you know, huge part of the work. And I think when it comes to being up on the news, I have had to time box. So if I'm doing a project for work, which I have been doing, which is like collating what we need to know and making sure that everyone knows things mm -hmm. like everyone is safe to wear a mask, you know, just really looking at the, the, the impact, you know, on the black community, specifically the Latinx community here. Mm -hmm. And then thinking about people with disabilities, you know, mm -hmm. you, you've been sharing your experience and then, people who actually aren't able to wash their hands, the more I went into it, it was, it's obviously extremely heavy. And so I tried to kind of time box that rather than going into the place where I'm constantly following that sort of anxious need to give myself more fear or give myself yeah. more of that kind of strong emotion. So yeah, that would be, I think, something that I would recommend is using those mindfulness tools to kind of notice before you do something like that, how it feels and notice afterwards right. and then make a decision. Do I need to start yeah. setting some boundaries? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, um, yeah, I mean, my last spiral and I've been 
clearance over for maybe two weeks now, um, was around, I'm like, okay, so what's the data with coronavirus in the heart? Is there anything new? What's happening? And then Harvard was like, oh, you don't want this for your heart. And I was like, oh, no, you know. Um, and so then I went <laughs> a whole thing. Um, and that's when I had to, like, say, like, no, it's time for you to talk to your cardiologist and get his, you know, thoughts, feedback, um, and opinion, right? So when I emailed him and he was like, you know, you're not being overly rational at all with me saying like, am I being overly cautious? Am I, is there too much fear on what I'm doing? Cause I'm staying inside and I'm only getting stuff delivered and friends are dropping off stuff. And he was like, nope, you're not being irrational at all. But I was like, oh, damn it. Cause part of me wanted him to be like, no, go outside, get your groceries. And he's like, no, nope, no, nope, you're, you're, yep. Everything you're doing is right. So now I have the very real I already live with the fact that I can have a heart attack at any time, but now it's like I could, I could and die. I've I've dealt with like the fact that I could have a heart attack and die, but now it's like a different type of death on top of having a heart attack that I now know because I was doing the stuff, like going in and, and looking at, you know, what data was out there. I mean, again, it's like white papers and stuff, so they're legit, but, um, so that goes back to how we started of how I process this time being inside. And so when you're saying like, you know, talking about, are these your feelings or other people's feelings? I've come to terms that these are, these are my feelings. And then the feelings have been validated by my cardiologist. So I have to remind myself when I get frustrated of like not having independence, not um, being able to do things for myself, that I'm like legit by staying inside, I'm like saving my life. So I have to remind myself like, Hey, you're saving your life. So, you know, at one point someone's going to bring the right almond milk. I'll probably cry. (laughs) Yeah. And that's beautiful because you're using mindfulness to almost fact check the anxiety. And sometimes anxiety is justified and sometimes certainly it's, it's not, it's inherited or it's, being in that cycle of you know anxious news cycle and so yeah you've justified it you know that it's it's serving a purpose it's keeping you safe and also give yourself kindness and compassion to say yeah like this is really scary for me yeah totally and then I'm I'm just being patient like at some point I will take a walk I feel like the walk I will take will be at like 5 30 in the morning or something like that where there's less people out um but I'd be able to you know, like go outside. I'm not there yet, but I'm working towards it, but I'm allowing myself to be patient. And I feel this is probably the most anxious time that I've had um, in my life. I'm not an anxious person. I'm a, I'm a depressed person. And I, you know, um, and I've done really well with managing my stress, but no one, no one's plan. No one knows how to deal with the pandemic. And with the other deep dives I've done with data and looking at how the brain functions in a pandemic is fascinating. It's, it's like essentially your brain is in survival mode. So for some people, that's why it's hard to work or hard to create or ideate because your brain is like, we don't have time for that. We need to know if we can make it through this day, this week, this month. So people who are like myself, who are typically good at like big picture shit, planning months down the road, years out, the brain's like, no, no, no. (laughs) We got to focus on this week, right? And I personally feel like mindfulness helps with reconnecting back to what you can do in a way that feels good for your mind, body, spirit, and soul. And it's incredibly important to figure out how you can connect to mindfulness in whatever capacity. If you have... um, some sayings that can reset you. If you can, um, if you're able to meditate, maybe you are able to do some breath work. Maybe you can do some yoga or maybe, you know, it's a song you listen to that helps whatever that thing is. It's really important and crucial right now to figure out what mindfulness means to you. I love that. And that actually brings up for me talking about your decision to not go outside right now and your decision to get groceries delivered, a question that I've been asking myself recently is, am I choosing this 
through love or through fear. And so mm-hmm. an example is maybe something that people can resonate with. I've been feeling a new feeling around concern about my body mm-hmm. through the pandemic. I've been, my boyfriend has been baking bread mm. and I am someone who has has definitely been quite restrictive over the years, not really thinking, oh, I want to be skinny, but just more, it's kind of tied into the body dysmorphia stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'm trying to really enjoy eating this delicious sourdough bread. Mm-hmm. And also I'm not cycling every day. Like I used to commute. I'm not really even walking that much. I'm doing my yoga, but it's like very restorative because that's what makes me feel good right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing changes in my body and feeling that desire to take action, just like how when I feel anxiety about coronavirus, my anxiety is telling me to look at the number of cases and go down, you know, the news. And so, you know, I spoke to my boyfriend about it yesterday and he was like, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I've got a 7am call with my nephew for his birthday. And then I've got a 9am call with Akila. And so I guess, you know, I really want to get up at 6am and run. And then I... And he was like, oh, I'll do that with you. I'll get up. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh no, I don't actually want to do that. Like that's not, that's not the loving choice. That is the choice made through fear. And I expressed that to him and he said, well, what would the loving choice look like? And I said, well, it would look like getting up at my normal time of 6.30 and doing a little bit of stretching and doing some meditation and just allowing things to be as they are mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, taking you through the whole thought process. But that question of am I choosing this through fear or through love has been definitely serving me during this time um and yeah maybe maybe something that people can try out for themselves I love that so much so much I I, that is really important I would like your permission to use that with my coaching clients okay thank you um (laughs) Oh, perfect. Great. Um, Pay it forward. Um, That's a really powerful question because words that are so simple, we know the definitions of love and fear, but thinking about things in those two buckets, it's incredibly powerful, right? So like me starting a routine of working out because I am losing the normal stuff of, you know, um, coming into the city to see you and I would go on BART and up and down the steps and then I'm walking. All of that stuff is is gone um, for me. So figuring out like what physical activity looks like for me um, has, it's been an interesting journey. It's, it's overall been fun, but um, it took me so long to get to the position to say out of love that I deserve to work out a couple times a week you know, and also being kind with myself. I used to be an athlete. So automatically I was like this, I'm going to do two workouts in one day. And I'm like, fuck, what are you doing? Like, if you just do two workouts in a week, that is progress, you know, for me. And then if I want to build that up, that's fine too. Um, but there is a fear around Corona calories for me. Um, you know, uh, and then I've been doing spot checks of like, do these jeans fit? And sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't, right? So, um, yeah, no, I, I, after the bread, sometimes I, I struggle. But, you know, so, sometimes going for the run is the self-love choice. It's just, right. it's very independent. Sometimes doing the workout is actually hugely right. the self-love choice. Yeah, yeah. And then it's also, and this is what we know from just working out in general, like, how do you feel after? Like you typically do feel good. It's just, oh God, I got to put on these leggings and then, you know, get my mat or hop on the exercise bike, whatever the thing may be. Um, and sometimes that part is the the chore. But the interesting thing I love about what you said with, am I doing this for love or fear? Um, the fear part has two levels to it because if it's something because you have like this real fear and panic of like whatever the thing may be 
um, that could be a, a, a place to redirect where you want to go back to the love. But sometimes it's like, do I want to go on IG live and have a conversation? No, I don't want to do it. But the fear is like, I don't know what it is. How do I pen a thing? How do people know that I'm on? What if I lose people? What if no one comes? Right. And sometimes that's a good thing to like work through. Right. And then it'll bring you back to that, that love part. Right. Um, and it's just testing something out once to see sometimes when appropriate, if it's actually really fear, right? Exactly. Exactly. I think with those, and this is something I love talking about, which is really about alignment, you know, when to know if something is an aligned frequency of energy for what you want internally is kind of the way I think about it. So with IG Live and and showing my face and going on video, that was always something that I was very drawn to. And so the the original feeling or the primary emotion was love and excitement and really that flow. And then afterwards, the fear kicked in. And so that can be, you know, one way sometimes and it, it is different for everyone. I know it's not always in that order. Like some people do feel fear first and then it dissipates and it kind of feels like love. But for me, it was more of a, I get the, oh, I should do this. And it feels really juicy and fun. And then then the fear kicks in. And then I often know that's the part of me that's trying to keep me safe, keep me small almost, and keep me kind of in patterns that I know have served me in the past, but are not going to serve me to kind of get where I want to be for that full expression of self and expansive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm. That makes you wonder and think with that and what you like just shared. How do you celebrate the little wins? Great question. I am a big believer in celebrating because I do think from an energetic standpoint, we want Mm -hmm. to really like celebrate every little step we take on the way to our big dreams. So, you know, if I have a dream that I want to build my coaching business to a million in revenue, like I'm going to celebrate the first a hundred bucks I make coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Energy that I would celebrate when I hit that million, because Mm -hmm. I do feel like attracts like and so if I shrug that off and say oh well that's not that's not that important that's not great like I don't feel like that's going to be attracting in the energy that I need to get me there so I definitely like run around the house like going woo yay (laughs) I literally celebrate um I put music on and Mm. I sing and I dance like a crazy person like I really love dancing very badly and singing to like power ballads oh yeah you know a power ballad really helps you work your core so you're like getting out there (laughs) very true i love how you celebrate yourself i think those little things are important to celebrate because we have more of the little things than the big things, right? Um, so obviously you should celebrate yourself today because you worked out in a way that worked for you, um, which is really great. I um, would love for you just to, to tell the listeners about your coaching and how they can find you um, for coaching. Thank you so much. So yeah, my website is mindfullylaura.com and you'll find everything there. The podcast, you'll find links to set up coaching sessions with me. I'm going to be finished with my certification in the next few months. So at the moment I am offering kind of one-off slots right now Mm -hmm. and basically finishing my online program, which I'm really excited about. It's called Learn to Love Your Life. And it is a six-month online program that I poured my heart and soul into. So it's basically daily practices and daily videos. Every single day, there's a 10-minute video from me about something in the topic and then a practice, whether it's a mindfulness or a meditation practice. I do a lot of visualization. Mm. I do a lot of 
journaling exercises and some of the practices are, you know, you have to actually write things down and write lists and write kind of lots of different charts. I'm very big into actually making things or writing things down. I think that it really has helped me in my process of really getting clear on what I want. So through the six week program, we look at the basics of mindfulness and why it's so important in creating a life that you love. And then we look at alignment and flow, manifestation and envisioning, really kind of giving yourself permission to dream, which Mm -hmm. I think for me, something I held myself back on. And then there's a big piece around limiting beliefs and unworthiness and how to unblock that, which is definitely something I've done a lot of work on. (laughs) And then boundaries boundaries, as we talked about today, energetic boundaries, physical boundaries. We really need to figure out what we need to set boundaries in order to create the life we want. Otherwise, we're always going to be getting pulled in so many different directions. And and then the final week is all about making habits, which is, again, something that I've done a lot of personal study around um, as someone who has struggled with compulsive behaviors. I've had to break a lot of habits. And so just a huge kind of area that I'm very fascinated by. So yeah, at the moment, I'm really just getting the course finished. And I've got a couple of people who are already starting to go through it while it's in beta. So if you're interested, head over to the website, and you'll see how you can sign up for the beta Mm -hmm. or get involved as one of the first people who'll go through it. But I'm really yeah, I'm just really excited about the chance to work with more people. And just I do really deeply believe that everybody deserves to have a life that they love. I feel like we are all so special and unique. And no matter what challenges we're facing, I do believe that everyone deserves to have that support to build a life that every day they get out of bed and they say, I love my life. So that's something I feel really passionately about. So I'm excited Mm. to be able to, yeah, just push it, push it forward with the online program and with coaching people one-on-one. I love that. I think it's great. I have a lot of respect for what you're doing because I have I haven't done that I guess yet you know for me and my my pivot life um I think yeah the online program at some point I'm I'm thinking about doing like a group coaching cohort so you know people can kind of go through like a mini cohort series and so that's something I'm working on and like who will it be for? Will it just be for women or do I want to do people of color and like, um, go from there. So there's, um, there's a lot that needs to be done because of the state we're in and how we'll be moving forward. Right. Um, and that's in the the virtual space. So it's an interesting shift. Um, yeah, it is. It is. I, I just have to get my mind, body, and spirit aligned on the same day. <laughs> like, go through it um, to make it work. Well, I just want to say that I'm so happy that you were able to have time um, to, to talk to us today. But um, the live real-time coaching that happened on this uh, episode was incredibly, um, timely and important. And, um, I like how people hopefully were able to get a little sample of how great of a, a coach you are. And, you know, I'm always continually evolving as a coach and I know that you'll always continually evolve as a coach as well. And for the listeners, the thing is, is that that makes us exceptional coaches because we're not getting to a point where it's like you have to do this and follow this certain kind of like process or program. It's just knowing that great coaches are going through a continuous journey as well. Couldn't agree more. It's never ending. For me, it's it's principles and then just continually applying them to new things that come up to take me deeper and deeper. And then my one of my favorite things is learning. Like I love learning new things and mm-hmm. I love reading self-help books and psychology books and mindfulness books because there's always something, there's always something new and you always learn something, I think, from your clients as well. It's, yeah, I feel incredibly blessed in that, in that sense. But yeah, thank you so much, Akila. I've, yeah, I feel very honored again to be in this space with you, like truly. And I think that 
I just think that day that I met you at that Ladies Get Paid event was a fantastic day for me. And I'm so glad that I listened to my ping, which was to stay behind and and line up so that I could meet you and speak to you. And I got over my fear of introducing myself to strangers, which is not my favorite thing. And I'm so, so glad I did and that you were so gracious and willing to share yourself. And yeah, I'm just honestly so, so grateful and honored to have this connection with you. I am glad you stayed as well. I've, we've, we've been together for a while now, <laughs> which is great. I also, you know, again, publicly want to thank you for the the great snacks and lunches um, from your employer. <laughs> it's always fun being a guest there. Oh gosh. And, and the, the views and um, I'm, I'm, honored to uh be a a thought partner with you um as you're doing all of this uh important work so let everyone know how they can find you what's your your what are your handles handles so mindfullylaura.com mindfullylaura on instagram and yeah if you want to email me mindfullylaura gmail.com pretty pretty easy mindfullylaura that's me that is you and then um Again, check out the uh, episode where I'm on um, with Laura because we get more into our our health, our mental health. Um, I'm uh, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm on a campaign to just talk about health and then enter in like major depressive disorder because I feel that mental health it's like a separate thing where it's not valued as overall health and wellness. Right. And particularly when you talk about mindfulness, when we get these feelings in our body or how we're responding to something, it's happening in our body, which is our health. And my major depressive disorder is in my brain. Last time I checked, it's an organ. So I'm sorry, I'm pushing health. I think that's so, so important. So important. And yeah, I'm with you and let me know any way that I can support you. I will support you until the day I die. I think that you are, you know, same seas. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I look forward to um, building with you and to you and everyone out there keeping amazing. Thanks for listening to the Change Today podcast. You can learn more at changekaday.com that's the word change and today like cadet c-a-d-e-t or follow change today or at change today podcast remember to like subscribe comment and share i'm a black business y'all and i appreciate it thanks for listening